RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. And with me is Tanner. Hey, Tanner. Hey, how's it going? So today we're talking about an adventure that I ran for you. Uh, it's a one-page adventure called Awakening at the Old Well, and it's by Bigfoot Bob. If you're looking for this adventure, go to Reddit and look for the user Bigfoot Bob with no spaces or underscores. Uh, and Tanner, I ran this for you in Scarlet Heroes, which we've talked about for several episodes, a great system for one-on-one play with one character. Tanner, this adventure was our next step forward in visualization. I took a one-page dungeon and sliced it up and turned it into an 18-page PowerPoint with kind of each room as a page and then elements that could pop in and out like traps and whatnot. We were moving away from theater of the mind. We were trying to find a midpoint and not have to go full VTT. Was that more fun than pure theater of the mind? I think so. I, I like to think that I'm pretty open to theater of the mind type stuff, especially when in regards to like a combat encounter. But for a more exploration based thing, it definitely helps to have at least like some sort of visual aid. And like you said, we didn't want to commit to a full virtual tabletop because I think we both kind of felt that that was overkill for the type of games that we were doing at this point but um yeah i think it was more fun than um just theater of the mind i think the adventure the awakening at the old well had a couple other wrinkles but kind of separating those i i do like the visual aids and it was is interesting because it was like an isometric type layout right for the the maps yeah, Bigfoot Bob's art, I assume the art is also by him. It was a bunch of isometric draw. Well, actually, it was one isometric drawing of the entire place um, in the one-page layout that he had. It was this one isometric drawing with all the text around it, and I took and chopped up that isometric drawing into its components for each room. And you did some editing, too, to kind of hide GM-facing stuff, right? Oh, yeah, and his isometric drawing, he just had the pit trap like there on display, so I had to, like you know, Photoshop that bad boy out, but then add a component on the slide where when you, you know, advance to the slide with the pit trap, the pit trap like shows up. Is that Um, more work at that point than just like running this in a virtual tabletop? Do you think? I don't know. I, it became more work than I thought it would be when I started. When I started, I was like, oh, this would be like 10 minutes in GIMP. And it was more like two hours in GIMP. Yeah. uh, Because I'm not great with GIMP, but I have a real issue with virtual tabletops. I don't like them. Hmm. And I know this is controversial with like one D&D coming out, but hey, have a strong point of view, right? So here's my strong point of view. I think if you're playing on a virtual tabletop, like full end to end, it, it, and let me be clear, if it works for you, great. I don't care. It doesn't work for me. And here's why. If I'm playing, I should say I, on a virtual tabletop, I may as well just be playing like a multiplayer RPG, like World of Warcraft or something. That's like, super interesting because I disagree very heavily. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I I have I haven't used Roll Twenty in a long time, but during the height of um, kind of like Five E D and D and stuff, I played a lot of that with my friends. And as my friends like went away to college and and stuff, so I think I probably have I would say hundreds and hundreds of hours in virtual tabletops, and I 
understand you, you need the buy-in right and like um i i think that the focus can definitely become on the tabletop and the fiddling with all the ways that your program of choice kind of handles rpg rules so i can understand how like the focus changes for a lot of people it's always worked for me but i can totally understand how it doesn't work for for other people yeah i'm not a huge fan so for me the extra work was worth avoiding vtt but i knew i wouldn't want to do this again which which is what ultimately led to uh the revelation that we will talk about in a future episode yeah so this adventure was missing several key items from what we've referred to in the past as, as your, your checklist based yes. on multiple other checklists out there uh floating around about what makes a good dungeon yeah was this too simple i think so and, and you and i talked about this a little bit at the at the wrap-up from my checklist uh, a couple episodes ago, I, I talked about how a really good dungeon has like multiple factions, things to play against, people who aren't all sort of on one side, and some sort of you know hostile presence that makes it a pain to be in the dungeon. So the setup is that I you know I go into this old well, and a wizard has turned a bunch of creatures intelligent in the well, and then that wizard died and stuff like that. So like. I mean, it it seemed like, you know, the setup would kind of lead you to believe that there would be a lot more going on than there kind of was, you know? I think it was a little bit too simple for sort of what I'm looking for in a game. Um, me and you talked earlier, and I said, oh, you know, this this might be good for like a, uh, a more beginner-friendly game where there's kind of less going on and less to worry about, but you disagreed with me on that. Yeah, I think it's too simple even for a beginner game. I think an introductory dungeon can have a lot going on. I think it can have multiple factions. I think it can have lots of room for player choice. Uh, but it, yeah, it's just so, so simple. I think Bigfoot Bob did an amazing piece of artwork. And I think as in terms of a one-page dungeon, if you think of it as a starting point, it's great. But running it completely as written with no like additional prep or additional thought or modifications, mm, I, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. And then you did end up running it again for friends, right? I hadn't played with my old regular group. You know, Chris, who of course played Zep in our vampire actual play, and Brian, who I'm sure all longtime listeners are very familiar with as the main co-host of RPGLL. I played with Brian and Chris, and I ran them through this adventure, and I took your advice. I took the notion that this wizard or alchemist had made these creatures intelligent or made pinch the crab intelligent i took that notion and i expanded it and said mm, there's also some rival rats led by an intelligent rat and to, to, to give them kind of someone else to talk to and someone else to play off of so i added that uh that was that was okay it didn't wind up being incredibly relevant i don't think i ever <laughs> told you the story no i don't think you did brian and chris both just went straight down the rope into the well and i guess i guess spoiler alert for people who might want to play this and not gm it but they went straight down the rope and dropped into the water and from inside the water you can't reach the rope anymore yeah and there's waterfalls that you can climb up but it's a pretty tough climb and they were just stuck in that bottom room for like <laughs> a very long time for turn after turn after turn because they couldn't make the climb checks to get out of the waterfall they had to negotiate with pinch ultimately pinch had to help them up the waterfall like he had to kind of prop himself up for them to climb up his shell yeah to get up the waterfall to help him uh they had a completely different experience but they got very stuck yeah it doesn't sound like that's that's really much 
better. Yeah. There wasn't enough mobility in the dungeon. You have to be able to go from room to room, I think. Yeah. For a, a good dungeon location based adventure. And they were just stuck in the same place for a long time. So I don't know how much fun they had. It's just, again, a very simple dungeon. Yeah. Your dungeon has to have branches. And if there's something that looks hazardous or treacherous to go like that way, you kind of have to be able to go the other way. Otherwise, you know, why are we. You know, like the player choice and player agency has to matter from kind of top to bottom, right? And that that kind of comes in terms of uh, designing the dungeon itself, too. Yeah, I should have added like a, a, a sluice or a gate or some bars or something underwater that they could fit through, but Pinch couldn't fit through. Yeah. But pinch was it, Pinch was the highlight of the game for me, the, the giant intelligent crab that you kind of had to not barter with, but you kind of had to make nice with to, uh, yeah. You formed, you formed a pretty strong bond with pinch. I did. I, I promised pinch that I would get him out of the old well. Cause he was trapped there. And with all of my treasure from this adventure, I went and I think I immediately hired a bunch of hirelings to come and haul pinch out of the, the well and set him loose in the river to live his little pinchy life. Yes. Or his very large, pinchy his life. large pinchy life. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that that was a, a a highlight. I really liked. I really like um, kind of engaging with with NPCs. I, I think maybe because it's not a super good strength for me as a GM, like having uh, interesting NPCs with like varied personalities and stuff like that. I kind of play all my NPCs the same, so it was fun to um, to immediately sort of latch on to pinch and. Uh, be like like operation get pinch out of here like that was i think you fell for pinch pinch kind of thought the alchemist had abandoned him right he didn't realize the alchemist had like died in the upper part of the well where the rooms were Mm -hmm. um he didn't realize the alchemist had like died up there and once you made that clear to pinch by bringing the alchemist's skull down to pinch and pinch kind of let out his crabby wail of grief I that seemed to be the, to be the moment that you kind of fell for pinch a little bit. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. I, I you you role played a a grieving intelligent crab really well, <laughs> which is yes. I, I I love to say I based my performance on something, but I I could not imagine what. <laughs> so, how about the hook? The hook is you hear a, so so pinch has learned to talk, and pinch feeds himself by <laughs> asking for help convincing people to climb down seeing if they can get him out and if they can't get him out oh well he can eat them and evidently pinch must be making this happen at least once a week for the last however many years because pinch is still alive so pinch must get quite a bit of food this way i suppose but uh how is the hook of a voice that kind of sounds like a child's voice saying help i'm stuck help i'm stuck help i'm stuck as far as a hook to make you care about climbing down this well and going on this adventure i think it was like fine i definitely engaged with it because i knew kind of metagame that this was the hook for tonight's adventure you know and i don't think that's like necessarily a bad thing you know sometimes you just kind of have to play ball when you uh when you're playing games and um you know, I understood what you were telegraphing and I sort of played along, but like, I don't feel like it was particularly strong or in- interesting. I-, I was thinking about this. 
Um, our next session that we talk about was our first foray to hex crawling together. And I don't want to spoil our conversation about that too much, uh, mainly because we haven't had it yet. But if this was like the feature of a location and I was in a wide open sandbox and I could choose to engage with this now or I could move on to the next hex and find a, something interesting there or a feature there, um, like that would be one thing. And maybe like th this would be a strong enough hook to adventure because you can investigate it or you can not, you know, but knowing that it was sort of tonight's adventure to go and investigate that, like it just kind of felt fine. You know, like it, it makes a lot of assumptions that your character cares about the plight of children, <laughs> which may or may not be true for your, depending on what kind of a vagabond you're playing. Right. So. True. And this is not in the show. This is not a thing that we prepared to discuss, but I'm going to go off script here a little bit. So this was also, I don't know if you recognize this, Tanner, me emulating you. So you had, with really good success, run Temple of the Moon Priests, a one-page dungeon for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to try that. It seems low prep. It seems fun. Let me go try to locate a one-page dungeon that seems fun and easy. And I did that. So running a one-page dungeon and running, you know, we're both professional people. We both have full-time jobs. We both have significant others. So putting time in on prep for both of us, like that time's kind of at a premium. Mm -hmm. So finding a one-page dungeon and running it, I think it works well. But to your point, you and I were kind of in agreement that, hey, we're, we're, we're just doing this low prep stuff. It's going to be easy. If it's not perfect, it's fine. Uh, it's a good point to be on the same page with your players about that yeah you don't want to kind of set up the expectation that you're going to run the next great song of ice and fire story for them right and then end up being about a crab in a well so like it, you know just just setting the expectations about what the scope of what you prepped and what you're running is is you know not a bad idea to do with your players like if you're starting a new campaign or you're feeling burned out with your current campaign and you use some time you can just be like hey FYI, I'm going to be running a bunch of sort of shorter one page low prep things for you guys. So, you know, just get yourself in that mindset because that's what I'm going to be running. And hopefully your players are on board with that. So, Tanner, you also you bolted a magic system onto Scarlet Heroes. I bolted on um, the magic system from Nave. K-N-A-V-E, which is a free short uh, OSR game by Ben Milton of Questing Beast. I really like the magic system for it, and that's kind of the thing that I love the most about it because it's a list of a hundred system agnostic spells, which is really interesting. And they all do stuff based on your caster level. So it's like pit, you create a pit, your level times five foot deep. Like all the and they're all like one sentence spells, and they're all super clever and, and well-designed and like i love stealing that and i mean nave is kind of meant to be hacked and cut apart and frankenstein onto other systems so i think it worked really well i don't remember casting a ton of magic in this but there was no like question in my mind kind of how these scarlet heroes and the nave magic system would fit together and honestly in the future if i were to run scarlet heroes again mean you have played a lot of it i feel like i kind of want to just make that a permanent graft onto the system i don't know how you felt about that yeah i didn't have any problem with it at all i think that you, 
I was open about giving you like I think one more spell than you technically should have had at your level right. because to me as we looked at the nave spells you you like shared your screen as we looked at it together there didn't seem to be a lot that was combat effective right they're all pretty much utility type yes ma- yeah magic so because of that it felt underpowered to me so I was like why don't you take an extra spell <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. I which I think worked well and I do remember you using pit in an adventure that we'll talk about eventually, Festoon Castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it works, and I, I liked the character I played, my dwarven magic user, and I, I don't know, I, I really like the the magic system from Nave, unless like I'm playing maybe something like old school Essentials, where it just has like classic D and D spells. Like I'm kind of fine with just kind of cutting that stuff out and putting the Nave spells on, you know. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you. So in summary, I think we said the adventure is you know, too simple. So simplicity can be dealt with, right? So you can add th- things and texture and wrinkles to a simplistic game, right? Like you did with adding the intelligent rat faction, which um, you know may have worked, may have not. But it's hard for me to say, yeah, this adventure is good because you can add your own good stuff to it. You know, like it's um. It's like, uh, you know, if you buy a, a cool used motorcycle and you change the engine and you put new tires on it and you put new fenders and chrome on it and you say, oh, yeah, that's a really good motorcycle. Well, it's like, is the one you bought good or did you kind of make it good? You know, a lot of people um, talk about how D&D is great because if you want to have magic ray guns and laser spells and, and a spaceship, you can add those. It's like, well you're kind of evaluating your experience with the game, not the game itself. Right. So in my opinion, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's good either. I think it had a lot of fun ideas. Yeah. I think it had some great visuals. The drawings were great. I think it had, I think pinch was an interesting idea. I think the idea of him attracting people down the well was, was a great idea. I, I wish the hook had been stronger. Maybe the well is closer to town and the townspeople are aware. I, I don't know. Like the hook needs a little work. They probably need some more ways in and out. That way you can't, you can't get stuck in that one room. It probably needs some more factions. If you treat it as a starting point, I think you could build something really great from it. But to your point, at what point is that? Uh, at what point are, do you stop running the adventure at the old well and you're actually running whatever it is by you? Right. Should Bigfoot Bob ever listen to this? I don't want Bigfoot Bob to be like, my God, I put it out on the internet for free and these guys are making fun of me. Like, Bob, nah, man. Great art, good concepts, good ideas, plenty to play with there. But hey, you you put it out for free for a reason. And, and I think for, to be free, there's a tremendous amount of value there. But overall, I would not point a new GM to it. I would point an experienced GM to it who wanted to modify a framework. Yeah, it's a great skeleton. And, and like you said, to uh, the author should they uh, ever happen to listen to this like you know a mediocre adventure that you share with the world i think is more valuable than the world's best adventure that you never tell anybody about yeah they're all starting points in every adventure it's like it's like books there's books i don't care for that other people love and i love that we live in an age where with self-publishing there's just so much out there where that adventure is going to be perfect for someone perfect for some group yeah definitely so lessons learned here um I think a key lesson for me is if there's not plenty to do on the page as you read the adventure, then there won't be plenty to do 
when the players actually sit down to play the adventure. So if there's not plenty to do, there won't be plenty to do. And you need plenty to do because the characters need to be able to make choices about what they do and don't do. Yeah, and especially in a dungeon that's as linear as this, like, you know, if you're stuck in the bottom of the well and you keep failing your climb check to get up the waterfall, that's not a choice, you know. You need some branching paths, you need some decision-making points, and there weren't a ton of those in here. And then finally, if there's no reason to care, then then the players won't care. With Temple of the Moon Priests, you started me outside the dungeon, but it was clear I was on a mission. Like in your opening narration, hey, here's the mission that you're on for the king. And your opening narration assumed that I had already accepted that mission. I should have done something. If there's no choice for the adventure but to go down the well, I should have started the adventure with, hey, you've heard this voice in this well and you've decided to go down. Yeah, I agree. And then not not have you be like, hmm, do I go down the well? Like that, that's not really a choice. I shouldn't have given it to you. Yeah. So, yeah, think about think about your hooks and, and the adventure lead in. I think that's it about the adventure uh, at the old or sorry, awakening, awakening at the old well by Bigfoot Bob. Do check it out. Visuals are great, and if you're an experienced GM and you love the idea of uh, a crab made magically intelligent who is dealing with its lot in life as best it can, check it out, bolt some things onto it, and run it. Aren't we all just crabs who have become intelligent learning to deal with our lots in life? God, I feel that way every day. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.